we're here to talk to you about and, and hopefully have a discussion for those of us joining live. Um, you know, we're talking about the fear of social anxiety that everyone faces in different, you know, manifested in different ways, of course, um, and how we're all, you know, geared towards, you know, wanting social acceptance. This is a human innate uh, a need, right, for for us to be able to be, you know, in a group, in a tribe, in a, um, you know, a community where we feel good. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of um, one of the central aspects of being human, right? Yeah. We uh, discovered as a species, as many uh, species discover, that by working in groups, uh, you can you know help each other out. Some someone's good at something, another person's good at another thing, uh, and so by grouping together, forming tribes, um, you uh, sort of increase your chances of survival. So right. that's built into our DNA. Right. This idea of belonging to to a tribe. Right, and we want to belong. We want you know, people to like us and to want them to be in our group. Do you remember, um, like, back in the day, in you know, in school times, um, when we were younger, where, I forget the name of it, but maybe it was, like, do let's say dodgeball, mm. different different games, but let's say dodgeball, you, uh, they captains, and each captain would choose the people on their team. Yes. And if you were chosen last, yeah. that was like a big deal. The line selection process. That was like yeah. easily one of the most terrifying, yeah. anxiety-inducing experiences that you could have in school. I don't think it's a great way for... Oh, gosh. I, I, I think that hated it. I think that should be eliminated because it makes the person chosen towards the end or even at the end like, oh, okay, well, that's process of elimination. That yeah. leaves two people left. That makes us feel so badly, right? Totally. And I, it's funny you mentioned that because forget school. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of years ago um, at my old company, we did this thing that is a lot of fun. We had a, we would do a bowling competition every year um, and we'd break it up into teams. And uh, so uh, the founder and I were the two team captains facing off against each other. And it was the same process. We had to like select the, yeah. the team. But we did that quietly, sort of behind the scenes. So no one saw the selection process. Right. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so, right, this is one of the ways in which we can see how it's so important to be liked. And even for the people who say, oh, I don't care, you know, people who feel like they're misanthropic or whatever, um, you know, there is still, I think, a part of them even that wants to be accepted by people even just yeah. one other person like this accepted, is part of our wanted, dna right? yeah yeah you want to feel needed you want to mm -hmm. feel mm -hmm. uh cared for right 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 yeah yeah exactly exactly so you know these are very uh natural feelings to feel in terms of you know being part of groups and wanting to fit in um that sense of belonging is very strong right and we respond uh, pretty fiercely to it, right? People will go out of their way to fit in, right? Um, how many times have you seen, you know, the click, um, you know, just like being part of a click or not wanting to be part of a click, but knowing you wanted to be socially accepted? So it's pronounced clique. Yeah, right. right, right. A click or a clique. Um, a small group of people, usually popular people. I'm I'm thinking, you know, in the context of like a high school dynamic, 
Um, you see it all the time in American um, movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. It's that same process, whether you're adults or you're, you're kids, um, this, this uh, sense of uh, us and them, right? Yeah. And you want to be part of the us. You want to be part of the group. You don't want to be the outcast. The insider, yeah. Right? If, right? if you're left in the jungle by yourself, uh, you have to fend for yourself, right? The tiger gets you. Right. If you're with the group and you got the campfire and, right. you know, everyone protecting each other, yeah. that's a much safer uh, sort of uh, environment to be in. Right. So whereas in the past, right, we really couldn't choose our tribe because it was really whatever we were born into in, in terms of the community, right? Think about, you know, being these remote locations in, in the caves and all of that, like millennia totally. ago. Yeah. Now we have the luxury of actually getting to choose our friends. So that's another way to look at it, right? That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, part of what gives us this anxiety is maybe like, you know, trying to fit in and we feel like we're a pretender. We feel like we're an imposter if we're not with the right friend group for us. Um, and so there might be some anxiety from that, right? Whereas you know, contrast that with a situation where you're with really, like your bosom buddies, right? Your kindred spirits, your friends that you feel like you can tell everything to and call at 4 a.m., you know, contrast that with that feeling, right? So the social anxiety that comes from maybe not fitting into a group and knowing that we don't really fit into that group, maybe not even wanting to fit into that group other than just maybe like the social status uh, recognition. Yeah. But that's another way of looking at it, right? Being able to choose who we want to hang out with. Totally. And if you think about um, one way that really comes to the forefront is when you move to a new location, yeah. right? Or, or you switch schools um, or you switch jobs, yeah. um, a totally new environment. And that that's a huge source of anxiety, right? right? Because suddenly you're in this new environment that you're unfamiliar with. And um, you don't know what's safe. You don't know who to trust. You don't know, you know, who you're going to get along with. All of these things, in, in, as you pointed out, in the old days, the old, old days, right, when we were still cavemen, uh, you didn't have a choice. So you didn't really have to go through that, that this, this, this sort of, what do you call it, disorienting process. Yeah. Whereas nowadays it happens all the time, particularly, in, you know, in the last few months. I think a lot of people have been making changes uh, that they weren't expecting to make. Um, True. And, and that can be a huge source of anxiety that we might not even realize, but it's sort of, it simmers in the background while we try and make sense of our lives. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, these are very natural feelings to have. And the good news is that there's ways of like mitigating it, right? So knowing what types of social situations give you anxiety, you're able to pinpoint and then work towards improving. So if you're public speaking anxiety just takes over you, well, then that's an area to explore in terms of, you know, ameliorating in that um, situation. Or, you know, some people have anxiety of talking on the phone, face-to-face uh, -face anxiety, right? These kinds of things, if, if we're aware of them, we're able to address them. Yeah, definitely. And I think another uh, solution in a situation like this, particularly when you're in, in an environment that you're not familiar with, is to bring some sense of normalcy to that, yeah. right? So um, I think we've talked about this in the past, but establishing routines, yeah. right? Systems. Systems, building stuff that, that allows you to feel more at home in this new environment, 
something that you know is repeatable and and uh, dependable, right? Integrating some of that into your new life um, can really help uh, allay some of that that anxiety from being in an unfamiliar environment. Right. So for those of you joining us right now, if you have any questions as to you know how to sort of deal with social anxiety, why it might be coming up. I mean, these are natural feelings to have, and uh, just you know, very part, very much part of our our built-in you know software. Uh, a lot of our programming is has been upgraded, right, so to speak. But a lot of it is still you know from yeah. the cave people times. So. Yeah, well, that's the thing, you know, the the, um, the idea that you can upgrade your programming is very real, right? Yes. So we were born, obviously, with this, um, some of these very sort of rudimentary, uh, you could say animalistic or tribalistic type types of um, uh, behaviors. But through uh, the right strategies and, and um, sort of mental frameworks, yeah. you can upgrade your software um, and and get better at dealing with these uncomfortable uh, sensations, yeah. right? And 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 bring some uh, bring more equanimity uh, to, to your life. There's even a strategy where you constantly, you know, it's it's called flooding, I, I believe, like with certain phobias. Um, in in psychology, this is one of the ways of of curing mm. a certain phobia, so to speak. So like arachnophobia, the fear of spiders. Um, one of them is flooding. Hmm. And so what you do is you basically flood yourself with that experience. So I guess if you had feared of, a fear of spiders, if you had arachnophobia, right. you'd have to like interface with spiders and maybe right. like, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to say somebody dumps a thing of spiders on yeah. you, but you know, you come into close contact in close quarters and you maybe get a pet tarantula or something. You face your fears. Uh, you face your fears. Yeah. And so with, you know, social anxiety, whatever type of social anxiety you might have, um, you know, you really want to put yourself in that environment many times, right, to be able to find it to be, you know, now it turns into like a normal thing, a sense of normal. So, for example, for people who have public speaking anxiety, you know, sign up for as many presentations as you can. Maybe join a Toastmasters group. Um, you know, give speeches, maybe even just to your friends and neighbors just to start getting over, you know, that kind of, that specific type of social anxiety. Yeah, I love so. that approach because it's very proactive, right? And no matter what, if you're, if you're proactively doing things, uh, your mind is less focused on, uh, on sort of irrational fears and more focused on getting done whatever it is you're you're you know setting yourself to. Yeah. So I love that approach and that um, it gives you something to do. And moreover, it's something that helps um, strengthen a lot of the uh, the sort of core skills that that underpin success in that category. Yeah. Right. And so yeah, by by going out there and. Um, actively putting yourself in situations that would that would typically induce social anxiety, uh, you end up building this foundation of um, of you know a cap- aptitude yeah. in in socially in stressful situations, mm-hmm. so that uh, you just basically raise your bar of performance across the board. Right. So it's like a, a win win, right? Yeah. You, you sort of address the anxiety, yeah. and you come out of it with an even more robust set of social skills. Right, and a sense of resiliency too. 
so that you know the next time you face that kind of situation, it's a piece of cake at this point, and you're now well on your way to the next, tackling the next type of social anxiety. Yeah, yeah. I think we have a question. How to adjust with a different wavelength than us? Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's very relevant to what we're discussing in yeah. terms of when you're encountering people that you haven't spent time with before, right, that you're not familiar with. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that same uh, sort of dynamic where uh, you, um, there might be some, some, some fear or tension yep. around uh, the a unknown. misalignment, right? I, the unknown yep. and a misalignment in terms of um, what the other person is thinking. Uh, and, you know, in my, in my experience, the best way to do that or sort of the best way to, to cope with it um, is to be very open yeah. about that uh, sort of uh, di- uh, what's the disconnect, disconnect yeah, yeah. Be- between each other, mm-hmm. you know, and say, look, this is the way I feel about this. Um, I know not everyone feels this way. I'm curious if you feel the same way, right? And really open up, open up the space to have a conversation about, you know, potentially different perspectives on a given topic. Yeah, and I think also showing that you're, you want to hear them out, right? If you have differing viewpoints on something, possibly even dissenting opinions without, you know, involving heightened emotions or anything, you know, like Greg said, really trying to be inclusive also about, um, you know, what their perspectives might be and sharing your own and maybe saying, you know, this is, I, I, I really am treating this as a safe space. I'd like to share some of my insights and hear what you have to say. Um, yeah. yeah, people with different interests. Exactly. You know, it's the same thing. Um, if you're talking about uh, hobbies and interests and this kind of thing, or you want to participate in act- activities that uh, perhaps they like, uh, let's say, r- running in the rain, and you're not maybe so keen on it, well, maybe it's a conversation to be had. Um, and also, yeah, there's a little bit of negotiation involved, right? <laughs> like, okay, well, if I run in the rain with you, do you want to bake cookies with me or right. something? Do you have hot right? chocolate there's, afterwards? Exactly. <laughs> like there's a nice little balance. Yeah. Um, I find that when there are differences and misalignments, that's an opportunity to learn more about each other and learn more about the world. Because yeah. if this person sees something differently than you or has an interest in something that's different than your interests, that's an opportunity to understand why they have those interests. And, yeah. You know, why they take that perspective. And, and by learning that side of things, the world becomes even more colorful and, mm. and, and bigger and uh, it tends to open up a lot of ideas in terms of how you go about doing things. Absolutely. So I actually actively yeah. seek out people who think differently than I do, who um, have had different experiences than I have had, so that I can I can sort of leverage those interactions yeah. to learn more about the world and you know and also learn more about yourself. And learn about, about in myself, the process, sure. right? Yeah. It might ignite something in you that you didn't know uh, that you were interested in, like I don't know, snowshoeing. Right. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, I think, you know, really maintaining this open perspective and um, also not being afraid, like making the commitment to yourself that you're going to be authentic, right? Authentic in your expression, authentic in terms of like the people that you surround yourself with, um, you know, even if they might not be the popular crowd in school or whatnot. I mean, that doesn't even really matter after school. It's really that only uh, it seems so important. Yeah. Right, it's this myopic view of the world at that age. Um, maybe now it's a little bit different. I feel with yeah, you that's know. actually a really important point. Which is when you're when you're a kid, 
um, the whole world feels like your school. Your school feels like their whole world, yeah, right? That's so, it. Um, so important. And, and that that's why it takes it takes on so much sort of importance into you. But as you get older, you learn that the world is bigger, and the b- bigger that the world becomes, the smaller any single individual problem becomes. Right. So I think that's another way to sort of um, cope with with this kind of social anxiety is to understand and, and sort of as you, as you broaden your perspective of the world and, and what's going on, it puts in, into context the sort of challenges that you're dealing with and, and uh, makes them smaller. There's yeah. actually, there's, a, um, true. there's an, a concept that uh, has to do with being in awe. Ah. And one of the reasons that uh, being in nature can be very therapeutic for yeah. the soul and nature the mind. Nature therapy. Right? Is because nature puts us in a state of awe. Mm. So when you look at the ocean, the ocean is huge yeah. and there's this crashing waves and just like- it can swallow you, know, you up, it's so trillions big. Trillions yeah. of jewels of energy, just just like, you know, everything is going on and, and uh, it's so much bigger than you. It's so much bigger than your life. Yeah, um, and that's just the above water, right? <laughs> Underwater too is like yeah. a whole- yeah. You might find Aquaman or something. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But the whole world's down there that we don't even know, right? We can't even explore the depths of those exactly. areas. What was yeah. it? The Marina's Trench or something? Mariana Trench. Yeah. yeah. The deepest part of the ocean. So much of this undiscovered, yeah. you know, parts of the world. Right. right? And that in, in, instills in you this, this sense of awe. Yeah. And it, and it reminds you, it sort of reduces the ego and reminds you there's, there's something bigger than you. Totally. Uh, and that process alone... Um, sort of helps uh, soothe uh, your fears because you realize, you know, <laughs> what, what you're dealing with is is only a, a tiny, tiny yeah. portion of what's going on in the universe. Yeah, it's true. It sort of distracts you and gets you to think about what is else going on in the universe. Right, and then you might find yourself down a Quora rabbit hole right? yeah. reading about this, Black that's, holes and the others. and galaxies. Space and... is another really cool one. Yeah. It's fascination with oh, yeah. space. If, if you want a dose of awe, just go and uh, you know search search any kind of astrophysical astrophysics uh, yeah. phenomenon, and uh, I think I think you'll have uh, you'll be all set. <laughs> We're watching the Neil deGrasse Tyson intermittently, but we pepper it in here and there. Um, the cosmos, the cosmos, it's yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it's a reboot of the uh, Carl Sagan cosmos, and uh, yeah. yeah, you'll forget about all your social anxieties after Very you watch something like that, really, because it it does allow you to maintain perspective. Right, yeah. so it's about the perspective. It's about the authenticity. It's about putting yourself in these scary social situations in order to then surmount them, and build this resiliency towards them. And also, it's about recognizing that you know we need we, people seek social validation um, and have different outlets for that. So, I mean, you know, one of the reasons I think social media is so engrossing and people are so enraptured by it is, you know. Some of us like to seek that validation from complete strangers or just digital, you know, our friends in the digital sense, right? Mm-hmm. Their digital presence and our digital presence. And, you know, the number of likes we get, the followers, right? The hearts, the comments, right? That makes us feel good. But, you know, we have to be careful not to rely too heavily on that because if we entwine our ego to that and our sense of, you know, self-satisfaction and self-worth to that identity, right, then if we don't get a nice comment or we don't get as many likes or we don't get as many whatever, whatever, then that can make us feel 
badly, that can actually increase your social anxiety. So it's kind of a tricky balance, right? We have to be a little bit mindful of this now that so many of us also have these presents, uh, these digital presents online, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's interesting to, yeah, to and, think and about it. Exactly. Learning sort of what, what really matters in terms of uh, your social interactions versus what's more superficial or what's maybe yeah. not superficial is not the right word because it can have uh, importance, but not, not as deep, as, maybe not as deep or just not. It's not fulfilling the social need. It might mm. be fulfilling some other need, it might be fulfilling a business need yeah. or, or some other sort of hobby or, or mm. aspiration you mm. have. But, you know, understanding what really is providing a source of social uh, fulfillment yeah. uh, versus what isn't. Yeah. Know? So it's it's all really fascinating. And, you know, Again, everybody has social anxiety in different types of uh, forms. So don't feel like, you know, this is something that you are stuck with for the rest of your life. That or you're that's the only unique one. to you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of what we do on this channel is about working and helping um, us figure out how to improve those types of, you know, weaknesses, so to speak, um, areas for improvement, rather. And so we have a lot of videos on social anxiety, how to deal with it, um, even things from like controlling your breath to the shakiness that sometimes manifests um, if you get, you know, really nervous on stage, for example. So if there's anything else that you feel like you want us to talk about, then just leave a comment and we'll be happy to, to make a lesson about it. So, yep. yeah. All right. All right. So that's that's a wrap on this um, live stream. We will see you in the next exploring lesson and the next exploring live stream next week. Um, and we're going to hop on over to Stake Your Wealth in just a bit. Yep. So if uh, personal finance, financial independence, uh, you know, smart yeah. investments, any of that interests you, uh, come join us on Stake Your Wealth. That's right. We'll see you in a bit there. If not, happy exploring. All right. Have a good one.